Welcome to the Navigating Cancer Together podcast. My name is Talaya Dindi. I am a 10-year cancer thriver, cancer doula, and owner of On the Other Side. I use my experience to help others get on the other side of cancer. This podcast is about sharing stories, resources, and information about all things related to cancer and wellness. I interview guests from all walks of life who are living with cancer, caregivers, and those who made it on the other side. Also, I talk with organizations, healthcare professionals, and experts in the health and wellness spaces who offer complimentary and integrative care. Join me. We are in this together. Hello, and welcome to Navigating Cancer Together. I am your host, Talaya Dindi. Today, our very special guest is Jason Clausen. Jason is a therapist, widower, and father. Jason lost his wife almost three years ago. She was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer, and unfortunately, nine months later, she passed away. During the time she was receiving cancer treatment, a friend of theirs brought over a sunshine basket. The basket has become a way of healing and helping others through the darkest moments of their lives. Jason formed Giving Sunshine LLC to serve, lift others up, and keep his, keep his wife Valerie alive in his life. Jason, thank you so much for joining us today and welcome. Well, thank you, Talia. Thank you for having me and I'm just happy to be here and again, sharing my story and I always say vulnerability invites vulnerability and that's how we're going to heal. So if we don't, if we don't, if we don't keep, if we keep it in, then it's not going to allow us to get happier and healthier again. So this gives me another chance to share my story and hopefully give back to some of your audience and help them through their journeys and trials that, that they're struggling with. My pleasure having you, Jason. And I just want to thank you for starting off by saying that, you know, talking about vulnerability, because it is so important. And we hear that word a lot. um, But a lot of people have a hard time meeting that. And so and to hear a man talk about this also (laughs) is very important. I am trying to get more men to open up. And we'll get to that a little bit later, Jason. Perfect. But if you don't mind, please share your story with us and your personal struggles with grief. Awesome. So I think the, the, the best part to start of my story is probably about four years ago is when I felt like my life was going as good as it could ever go. It was the life where you're, you're, you're married, you have kids, and you could see the future and, and things were going to kind of continue on and we're going to live happily ever after. So a given example is I was a, so I'm a therapist and I'm a, I was a clinical director at a recovery program and uh, that was going really good. We're building our dream house. Uh, my wife had just lost a hundred pounds. She struggled with weight loss. My boys were thriving in school and they were thriving in sports. And, and for this moment of time, four years ago, we felt like life was amazing. And um, this is the life that we signed up for. And this is the life we've wanted for a long time. And um, this happened in, ah, uh, let's see, or in September, when I remember recognizing this, that things were so good. 
And then I remember a couple of weeks later, my wife came to me and says, Hey, Jason, I felt a lump in my stomach. And, um, so she had me feel it and we talked about it and, and we didn't want to jump to conclusions, but we were concerned. So, um, I said, let's hold off for a week and let's come back in a week and look at it. So we held off and we came back and we looked, we felt the lump and the lump had grown in her stomach. And that's where it concerns and um, a little bit of worry uh, was on our, on our mind because what, what's going on? Like uh, this is interrupting our life, <laughs> the life we're supposed to, uh, to live. So obviously we went to our, our primary care physician he checked things out and, and he really couldn't figure out what it was. I mean, at one time he says, um, the large math, he said, are you, are you pregnant? And uh, that would have been a miracle because me and my wife have also struggled with um, infertility. So getting pregnant. So that would have been a miracle. So what we did after that is we went from doctor to doctor to do blood tests and scans and nothing was really coming up as far as what was going on with my wife. And I remember we went back to uh, our, our baby doctor that delivered uh, a couple of our children and um, she ran scans. And then she came, she said, go do your thing and I'll call you and let you know. And I remember getting that phone call right before we were about ready to go to a movie. And uh, she says, Valerie, that it, that, it doesn't look good. There's spots all over your body. And up until that point, um, we were optimistic about things. Um, and we were, we were good people in the community and in our church and helping a lot of people. But that was kind of, kind of a sh shook our faith a little bit and just said, what is happening? Like, what is happening to this great life that we're supposed to live? So, Again, she referred us to an oncologist, uh, oncologist surgeon um, to be able to do some more blood work. Um, again, up in this point, there's no definitive diagnosis or anything. So what we came up with is we were going to go do exploratory surgery of this large mass and see what's going on. So we found ourselves at the hospital, and um, that's where my, the, the doctor did the surgery. Uh, opened my wife up, and that's where um, that's where they revealed that my wife had cancer. And um, so the doctor closed everything up, um, and then came in and broke the news to us. And I remember in that that waiting room with my wife's parents and my sister and her best friend, and and she looked at me. <laughs> I still get emotional as as I try to relive this and say, Jason Valerie has stage four colon cancer. And I think I really didn't really understand what that meant because there's no family history. There's no warning signs to prepare for this. So me at 38 with two boys and, and the doctor says you have stage four colon cancer. It causes my brain to just go in many different ways. And all these emotions started to flood out of me. And, and I thought many of us are like, what are we going to do? How long does, how long does she have to live? Like what kind of treatment? How are we going to pay for this? How am I going to tell my kids? And I just was so overwhelmed. Like many of us are right when we get delivered or we hear that news for the first time. And I remember back at the, at the waiting or 
recovery room where my wife was waking up. Our doctor came in and that's where she delivered the news to my wife. And um, again, um, trying to figure out life and trying to pick up the pieces. The doctor left and I, I chased the doctor after. And I was like, doctor, what does this mean? Like, how long does she have? Like, how am I going to get through this? I, I just started peppering all these questions because I wanted answers. And I remember the doctor pausing me and said, Jason, <laughs> it's probably not the best time to say this, but she did. She goes, cancer has a way of enhancing your life. And, 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 and when I heard that it stung and I said, and I said, doctor, I, I, I don't want my life to be enhanced. I, I want my life to go back the way it was. Cause that's my life was good. And I, I don't want, <laughs> how dare you say that to me? Mm-hmm. And, um, as you, as you can imagine, like <laughs> you're trying to get answers and you and the doctor gives you that. So it, it stung a little bit and it stung for a long time. Because I was, again, this, this dad that was all of a sudden my role began to shift and change. And I had to do things so much different. My communications with everybody, like I had to take on extra responsibilities and I had to be the caregiver and I had to work as a primary therapist. I had to take care of my kids and just the exhaustion of the day-to-day was is so hard and difficult but get, going back to your point to Leah, it's it, the men they hide their emotions and what i did is i put on this mask that everything was good to prote- protect me from sharing how i was feeling on the inside <laughs> and, and and then when people would say how are you doing i would say i'm doing good we're fighting through this but, but on the inside, I wasn't doing okay. My, my role was to, I didn't want to take away anything from my wife and the cancer treatment. I just wanted to be able to put on a happy face and like I was the cheerleader yeah. <laughs> and I didn't want to rock the boat from how I was feeling. So I protected my emotions and feelings from a lot of my support team that was around me um, because um I was just going, I was just not going to rock the boat. I'm just going to hold my emotions in. Wow, so. Jason. <laughs> that, that's a lot. And you, you touched on so many common points. Um, and one of, one of them is you just go through all these emotions. The other one is you talked about how instantly your roles changed. Mm. And you just don't have time to prepare for any of that. And it's just so interesting, Jason, to hear you share your story, to walk us through what you were experiencing at that time. And it's so common to what a a lot of us experience, but your profession is a therapist. And so that just goes to show how this cancer impacts people's lives. It does not matter what their yeah. profession is. Um, and did your, did your profession, Jason, prepare you in any way? <laughs> That's, well, I, I have a few people to ask that, but like, it's interesting because a therapist, you're, you're trained to help people. 
but I felt like my training and the skills I had, I, I, I had a hard time helping myself. <laughs> like I couldn't look in the mirror and ask me the questions to process these emotions of what I was feeling. And it was hard for me to, to, to struggle with this. And up until I invited people into my circle of influence or told them what I was going through, then that gave them the permission to listen and to ask questions in my, in my world. Because what happens when you go through hard times or even a death or a loss is people that have never gone through that, they go into like a support vacuum and they want to help, but they don't know how to help. And, and, and they like disappear because they don't want to say anything or do anything to rocks the boat and creates more emotions or more and make it harder. And so people just disappear. And it's, it's like what my experience in working with clients, it's like you have to give them permission to come into your circle and ask or support you through those. Because again, people don't know and they just disappear because they don't know. So, and, and later in my story, it's I had to invite people in and I had to open up how I was feeling so that they could surround me and they could lift me up through that process. Because up until then, it was just, the mask. I can be strong. I'm going to put on my mask that I'm strong and I, I can work through this and I can just power through this and nobody's going to really know. I'm just going to kind of uh, just wait it out and, and you can't wait out grief. <laughs> you definitely can't. Now, one thing, Jason, that really comes to mind are your two boys. How, how did you share this with them? That was, you know what, I remember having some intimate conversations with my wife, like, how do we talk to them? What, what are they going to think and what's going to happen? And th I think what I learned through this experience is we wanted to be open and transparent with them. Um, we're not going to share all of the details, but we wanted to create a dialogue and conversation where they could ask open questions and if they were asking questions, it was an indication for us that the boys could handle more information. So we didn't, we didn't shy away from telling them, but we didn't just overwhelm them with every little, like we have to do chemo. This is what happens in chemo. These are all the medication. There's a lot of stuff kids don't need to know, but we try to keep an open dialogue with them. And if they came and asked us, then we would answer that question the best that we can. And what's, what's awesome about kids is kids want to know. <laughs> but what I also learned with my kids is I would tell them and they get to a point where it's like, okay, that's good. And then they move on. But what happens also in when, when what I notice with some with my kids and other uh, people that I've talked about is almost kids become a casualty when there's, like when you're doing cancer treatment and, and my wife's trying to battle cancer, I'm trying to be the caregiver and take care of her. And then the kids are bouncing from house to house and they see mom losing hair and mom taking all this medication and, and, and they just sit there. And what's hard is 
they don't know what's going on and they're feeling all these emotions that they don't know what to do and, and nobody's talking to them. So what happens is they don't start working on stuff or talking about their emotions until everybody's in the clear or we're way past a couple years out of cancer. And that makes it hard when they come to therapy because you have some compound emotions that has been built up over years and years. And then when you get in as a therapist and start talking to them, you, you got to peel off those layers. And, and what, what I recommend is having these open dialogue conversations <laughs> So those kids can understand and they can feel emotions and we can teach them. It's okay to feel these emotions, seeing mom go through this and you have a great opportunity to teach them. Uh, it's hard while you're going through, but you involve them in the conversation so that they can help you and you can help them through the process. You almost start your team early on rather than, your team after the fact that everything has everything's done and taken care of. I love that, Jason, that you and your wife had open dialogue and honest dialogue with your children, um, because I don't think we give kids enough credit. They're a lot smarter than we think they are. And like you said, they they knew something was going on. Maybe they couldn't put together all the pieces, but they knew and they were willing to, you know, listen to what you had to say. And like you said, they followed up with their questions. Um, but you made another great point as well, that their needs, emotional needs at a certain point are hard to meet because you're off being caregiver, the, you know, the breadwinner and all these different things. And your wife is trying to survive and you really don't know deep, deep down what they're really going through. Yep. And so I just want to thank you so much for sharing what you experience with your children, because it's so important for people to know this. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's that's why I want to share, because if you don't know and if you're if you don't know, then you won't be able to recognize that. And if you can create, if you can recognize it, create some awareness, then it's easier to get help and it's easier to process through those emotions. Because so I one thing that the doctor said was Valerie was going to have two to three years to live. And that was that's a hard number when you put a number on someone that you're married to and that is taking care of your kids. So we battled cancer. We did everything the doctor said. And again, we're active in our community. We go to church. I'm a therapist. I'm helping lots of people. And we hope, we prayed and hoped that that was enough to be able to turn the cards or provide a miracle. But the unfortunate part is every time we'd go back is we didn't get any change in the, in the scans. There was no improvement every scan, there was no improvement. So it was hard. It was difficult. And uh, about nine months after we found ourselves at my wife's funeral, um, saying goodbye to my sweet Valerie. And um, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a bitter thing. And I think I was angry and mad at the world and, and God and say, how could you do this? We're this cancer and our situation is supposed to happen to people that are have lived a long life not 
not families that have small kids and, and, and it's not supposed to do this. Remember, we're like, we want the life we always had, but that's not what happened. It was, it was hard. And, and again, after that funeral and that everybody rallied around it and those, and that's great. You feel love and support, but I think the hardest part is when that funeral gets over and then you find yourself just trying to pick up the pieces and saying, okay, how am I supposed to be this dad? And how am I supposed to be this mom? I, I jokingly call it a hybrid parent. <laughs> <laughs> That's my term I use. How am I, how am I supposed to figure out how mom did things? And, 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 and that was where life became so hard. And I didn't have the support. I didn't have people offered, but they weren't around like they were during the funeral. Mm-hmm. And I went back to work. That mask went on, and I said, "I'm just gonna go work it off." And uh, went back to work nine days later after my wife passed, like eight or nine days later. And I remember sitting in therapy sessions with clients that were struggling with their hardest things, why I'm feeling the hardest things, and I just, it just wore on me. Mm-hmm. And I remember a significant moment coming home, and my son looks at me, my 13 year old son looks at me and says, dad, you are, you come home mad and angry all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that broke my heart that that's my reality mm-hmm. where I'm trying to help. I'm trying to survive. And that's what my kids get to come home. That's what comes home every day. And, and, and that stung a little bit. And I would, I just tried to do the best I can to try to survive. And I, I tried this for nine months, <laughs> like doing the best I can show up, like put one foot in front of the next, get out of bed, like do the, do my dailies to just get through and power through. And it's hard. It's takes a lot of work and anybody that does it, man, I give you so much props for that day to day stuff to get through. And I remember about nine months, uh, I was working at a recovery treatment program. And I remember just like at lunch, I was just like, I'm, I'm done. Like I am worn out. I am like, I'm just struggling. So I remember driving to a, a parking lot and I remember sending a text to about 13 or 14 of people in my neighborhood, my family, my church group, people that I knew. And I just said, I guys, I need some help. I need, I need you. I need you to be at my house because I want to let you know what's going on in my world. Um, please be there at seven o'clock. And I, I show up and I, it was a relief to send the text, but I didn't know what was going to happen after that. Mm-hmm. So I, I show up at seven and people are just pouring into my house. And I, and I was blown away that I was, for lack of a better term, I called my own intervention mm. to sit with these people that loved and care me. Remember, you have to almost invite them back in to be your supports because they don't know how to help. Mm-hmm. So I sat in this room in my living room and I poured out my heart and I unloaded my my rocks out of my backpack and, and told them how hard it was, tell them what things were bugging me. They were able to give me some feedback and what they've noticed. And in that moment, it became 
such an important part of my life. And, and in that moment, I, I call it my healing team, my grieving team. And that has been kind of a turning point into getting happy and healthy because I use people and I, I was able to share how I was feeling and I invited them into my life. And it's, it's been incredible because in that moment, we, we designated a captain in my team. My team, my, we had a code word that if I was struggling or having a really bad day, I could text, think about this, text one word to one person. I don't have to explain anything. And when the captain got the one word, then they would go into action and text everybody else on my team. And the team, everybody on my team had a specific assignment to help relieve the stress and kind of take some pressure off of me. So like people came over and did laundry, people would bring me over dinner, people would take the kids away, I'd get uplifting texts, people would call and check in. And I knew that after that moment, that at my hardest moment, I have my team to rally around me and to get and and this became such an important part of me getting better and I, I remember the opposite of grieving and lonely and depression is connection mm -hmm. that that's that's the medicine to be able to help you heal and I reconnected with people that were willing to help but I just had to give them permission to help <laughs> and, and and again like this is a male speaking that it was hard. It's, it's, that, that's like swallowing my pride saying, I don't want to be, I don't want to be sad. I don't want my kids to suffer. So this is a lot better than feeling those day and day again. I'm going to share how I feel. Wow. Jason, such a powerful, powerful and, and touching story. And first of all, I just want to say, you know, I'm so sorry about the loss of your wife and, I just can't imagine, you know, what that's like, um, especially like you said, at the height of your life. And um, I just want to applaud you also for saying, you know what, this is not working. And reaching out to people and saying, hey, I need help. <laughs> and that is one of the hardest things to do. Um, because like you said, your pride and your ego are involved. Um, but your children also, just having that honesty and just coming out and saying, you know, dad, when you come home, you're angry. And um, sometimes we just need those reminders because we don't always see ourselves the way other people do. And you have been through so much. So it's only natural that you would just carry all that around and try to keep it bottled up so to speak but that's not what we should be doing because yeah. as you said you have to show up as your best self for your children and be that hybrid parent so I just want to applaud you and I want to say you're so blessed to have so many people in your life that truly love and care about you that's the other blessing that you were able to see yeah yeah that, it's definitely a blessing to have people in my life to be able to help me and, and I realized that after that healing team moment is I realized I don't have to be the strongest person because <laughs> I have a team that can carry me through my hardest moments. So at a moment's end, I can reach out and I can say, hey, I'm not 
doing okay. And they can get me through till I have enough strength to, to take on the day-to-day stuff that is stressing me out, <laughs> trying to figure out my new role and how to do everything. And uh, man, it, I, I can't emphasize enough working with people in, in therapy and going through trauma and grieving and addiction. And it's that connection and, and whether finding it wherever you can is so helpful, but find, find great people that will help you Mm -hmm. and sit with those emotions. And, and I always joke, they're not the people that say, Hey, if, if you think of anything, let me know and I'll help you. Like, no, we want people to be proactive and just sit in our emotions with us or, they see something that needs to be done and and they just go do it because they love and care about you. They don't ask. They just say, Hey, you need lunch. Let's go Tuesday or Wednesday, pick a day we're going. And they just, they just sit with you and they, they, they help you feel those emotions together. There's nothing like having a partner to walk with you and guide you through those things. So critical. Now, Jason, as a therapist, can you please explain to us, the opposite of grieving, loss, depression, and addiction. You touched on it a little bit. Um, please just give us more insight on, on the opposites of those things. Yeah. So with those, you think about whenever you're suffering, those people that are depressed, they want to isolate. They want to be by themselves. They want to shut themselves off. With grieving, again, we had the funeral. You had a lot of support and everybody has gone, gone on with their lives and you found yourself all alone <laughs> with no support and people with addiction, people that use addiction, they just want to, they don't want to feel guilt and shame. So they'll do, they'll use drugs and alcohol um, alone. So again, those are behaviors that isolate us from everybody else in our support group. And that's why I say the opposite of those is connections. So in order for us to get healthy and happy from those, and I've seen it in so many walks of life, is reconnecting with a therapist where you can open up and you can start to pour out your heart or reconnecting to those people that are in your life, but we just need to invite them back in and we need to tell them how they can help us. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. again, people are, are willing to help, but Maybe they don't know what to do. So you, and this is what I did to a couple people is I coached them how to help me. And, um, and I gave them, and, and, and they appreciated that. And if they offered a suggestion, don't be afraid to say, Hey, that doesn't work for me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this is your, this is your healing. And you got to coach people to be able to help you through and get through these difficult times. That's a great point, Jason. And I have encountered situations myself, as well as supporting others. And sometimes they don't know what help they need. What do you suggest in those situations? Sometimes we know we need help. We just don't know what. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to understand your question. Like someone that's struggling, they don't know. Yes, they don't know. They want to ask for help, but they don't know what kind of help that they need. I think it's just, um, it's, um, I'm trying to, you stumped the therapist here. (laughs) (laughs) 
So, <laughs> so someone that's struggling that I don't know what I need. I think that's, that's, uh, I think for me, a, a couple of things that really helped me and some things I've done for clients is, is, is sitting down, um, get out a journal or a piece of paper. And I think writing a question or things that you're struggling with, and then just pre pre writing and writing what comes to mind. And by doing this on a regular basis, kind of a mindfulness and meditation, it allows you kind of your heart to speak and let you know what you need. So it's a good way internally um, and by yourself to recognize what you need. And uh, what I notice is if you don't judge it and you just let whatever comes to mind comes to mind, I, uh, it's, it's that inspiration that allows you to, to figure out what you need in your life. And I think you can start there. I think another place is starting with the gratitude list. If you don't think you need help, just start with gratitude of being grateful every day and begin to retrain your brain how to find happiness and how to find um, joyful things in your life. Because with me is I noticed before that intervention, my life was operating on sad and lonely memories. And whenever I would go into other places of my life, my brain attracted those sad and lonely people, those sad and lonely things on Facebook at work. And I remember it wasn't sustainable. So I had to retrain, I had to retrain my brain how to find happy memories again so that I can invite those back into my life. And those can be very valuable. It, I know it sounds so simple, but um, being able to retrain your brain to find like pause and look at the sunset, pause and look at the green grass, pause and just be say, I'm grateful for this day. I'm grateful for air. <laughs> yeah. and, and what I what I call that being gratitude is like an uh, emotional and mental timeout. So it allows you to not have to think about your situation because you're focused on gratitude. So uh, those are those that are probably not ready to reach out or um, are struggling to know what those can be the very basic things that I would recommend you start doing at the very minimal. And that that can get you in a spot that can allow you just a little bit of relief and some of those emotions to give you a break and allow you just like, I got to breathe for five minutes because I was driving to work and I just said gratitude the whole time. <laughs> I love that. And, you know, like you said, it sounds simple, but it's hard for a lot of people to just take that time to do something like that, but it can be very powerful. And it helps you, like you said, to retrain your brain, get recentered. And really focus on what is really important. So thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, I, I, I had to do that to myself. I had to do that with my kids. And um, I think another one that I come to mind is, is doing some kind of um, service. Um, I can't emphasize that enough. I think this allows you get out of that comfort zone a little bit, lean into that discomfort and allow you to do something for someone else. And again, it gives your, your break, your life, a timeout mm -hmm. <laughs> as you go and help someone else or just give back. I think that is, that is another powerful thing that I've learned through my process of healing and helping, um, getting over grief and getting over, um, 
the, the loss of a loved one or any kind of pain that you're feeling. When, when we had that intervention, something that's interesting is I had this support environment is I made a choice because of my, I wanted to create some happy memories for my boys. And what I did is I quit my job as a therapist and I took the summer off and I sat down with my boys at my kitchen table and I said, boys, I'm taking the summer off and we're making a bucket list and we're going to go make some happy memories together. And they got excited and we sat down and we made a bucket list together, things that we wanted to do and accomplish. It wasn't like we're not traveling all over the world, but it's like go horseback riding, go fishing, plant a tree in my wife's honor, just little simple things like that because people rallied around us and they knew a connection or they had some resources that would help us do these happy memories. And again, we were connecting. And then when we see these people again, they would ask how we're doing, how, how are you surviving, what's going well. We almost created this therapy, this connection that allowed us to heal. And it became such a powerful experience. And I, I would say for my boys, this was therapeutic for them. And they became happier and they look forward to these things. And, and the favorite one that they love is we put on a, their lemonade stand. Because um, what we wanted to do is someone brought us a, a sunshine basket full of yellow stuff. Mm -hmm. When my wife was going through cancer, and we wanted to raise money so we could give back to other people. So we wanted to raise $100 and, and make two of these baskets and go deliver it to people that have lost their dad or mom through cancer. So we did a neighborhood um, lemonade stand. And by the time the lemonade stand was done, we'd raised $1,500. Wow. <laughs> and, and we're like, oh, what do we do? So we we uh, reached out to our, our church group and they made 25 sunshine basket. Nice. And, and, and so that's what inspired you to spread sunshine. <laughs> I <yes>. love that. <laughs> it, it was like when, when those baskets were made and they brought them back to my house, I was like, what did, what just happened? Like, I didn't know what to do for a minute. And then I, threw it out on Facebook. And I said, Hey, anybody struggling, anybody have lost someone and people like helped and they found people and we would go deliver these baskets with them. And we would bring them comfort. And we would say, it's hard. I, I know how it feels. Um, I, I know parts of how it feels and they could check in with my kids. My kids could talk to their kids. And it became just almost a way of life to be able to help people. And it became the best medicine to be able to help us through a difficult time and loss because we weren't thinking of our pain. We were thinking about someone else and helping. And it allowed us to be able to feel good. And it allowed us to be able to um, keep my the memory of my wife alive because we were serving and giving back and we're learning um how to become better people by helping others using to to be to witness and my boys just look forward to it and, they, and uh it just became a way of life for us to heal
Wonderful. I love that. And it's, it's so important to give back, especially when you are going through a hard time. Can you please tell us, Jason, how people can get involved or give sunshine boxes to others? Yeah, so we have a, we have a website. It's called givingsunshine.org. Um, and then you can find us on Facebook and Instagram, uh, uh, Giving Sunshine Daily. And then you can get part of a community that is healthy and we share positive messages. We have a morning workout that people can be a part of. <laughs> they can log in and and uh, my my partner that I work with, he he leads the the workouts. Um, and you don't have to show your face. You can just work out and add comments. But it's a healthy community. But you can follow the the journey and what we're doing on GivingSunshine.org. And uh, what we're trying to do is try to offer more baskets to more people. So um, what we've done is my, my partner named Wyatt, he's the one that has been such an awesome support through this whole thing. Um, one of my biggest supporters, he came to me a little while ago and he just said, hey, Jason, I love what you're doing. I think you are changing lives and helping people heal. He said, I want to I want to be a part of this. And I think we could do this where we can help more people. So we've been working together to be able to put together uh, sunshine boxes. And these are the boxes that we can send across country and across the world. And they have tools. They don't just have yellow fun stuff with my therapy background. We've created some therapy tools that will help you get through those tough moments. Like we have a, a deck of support cards where or how people don't know what to say. Mm -hmm. So you give and your you get your healing team and you give them a, a deck of support cards and it, it tells you what to text or say <laughs> to help the person. Mm -hmm. So it just coaches you. Just, just great things like that. We have children's book that help open the dialogue of what it feels like to, to what, what's going on with cancer or loss of a loved one. It just helps create these tools to be able to heal. And, and, and what we're going to do is we're going to start a, as we're launching a Kickstarter campaign in a couple of weeks to raise money to really get this off the ground so we can help more people. And, and if things go well, we have plans of helping um, the first responders, the healthcare worker boxes, uh, military. We've thought about a depression box. We thought about LGBTQ box, just to give people the th therapy in a box to help heal. So that's our mission is just to help people be happy and healthy again because it's possible after <laughs> a, a tragedy. And, and we just want to give people an opportunity to, to do that and to be able to, to live the life we're supposed to, to, to live and be happy again. <laughs> I love that. That is wonderful and so needed. And, you know, when you're right in the thick of going through a tough time, it's hard to see that, you know what, I can be happy again, because you're yeah. just right there in the middle of it. So something like the giving sunshine boxes, boy, can that really help so many people. So great work there, Jason. Thank you.
One thing I want to do um, is get this question answered for, for the listeners. A lot of people deal with grief in different ways. Some people think that there's a time frame on grief. And grief. how long, from a therapist's perspective, does grieving take? So I get that asked a lot. <laughs> I, think, I think the best answer, I don't think there's a time frame um, because it's different for everybody. And depending on your experience and what you've gone through, that could delay your emotional processing. So what, I, what I've come up with, and this makes sense to me, is think of a time where you experienced that traumatic event and talking about it for the first time is probably overwhelming. You start crying and then you begin to, you, you can't function for a long period of time after that. Well, the intensity of that moment is, 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 is so big. And it takes time to work through those emotions. So what we need to do is create opportunities to be able to feel those emotions and share them. So the intensity of your emotion decreases. Mm -hmm. So a barometer to see in how you're doing is look at the intensity of those experiencing that you're sharing. <laughs> and if you're sharing, let's just say um, when my wife died. Let's say I'm sharing it today and I feel this much emotion. Well, that means you're grieving and that means you're getting healthier and happier. And that means you're doing your work. If you see that emotional stressors go down and those emotions go down. But like, like men, we don't talk about our emotions because that's a weakness. Mm -hmm. And so what happens and what I've seen is men will hold on to that and they'll put on these masks and those motions will just build. And then what happens is it starts to manifest itself in like anger mm -hmm. and, and, um, and that becomes yelling and anger. And it's not necessarily they want to be angry, but it's kind of what's going on on the surface to protect themselves from what, what they're feeling. So it is so valuable to be able to talk and, it, and find different ways to express, writing them down, talking to a therapist, find a really healthy person so you can bring down the intensity of those emotions. Because the more you talk about it, the more your, your emotional level um, shrinks down and then you can able to manage life. T today, I mean, my wife's bit will be gone three years in June and there's moments where I still get emotional, I'll see a commercial, I'll hear music, but it doesn't take me out and it doesn't wipe me out. And to me, that's telling me I'm getting better and I'm healing and what I'm doing is making sense about my healing process. So again, it's, it, it's, there's no time frame. I just say, do your work and, and, and create ways of sharing your emotions of talking about what you're feeling or going through, because that's going to be the best medicine to help you get better. I love how you just made it simple. Do your work, because that's going to look different for everyone. It's going to be a different time frame for everyone. And so that takes the pressure off as well. You know, yeah. just focus on doing your work to heal. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and so Jason, before we wrap up today, there's two questions I like to ask all my guests. The first one is, what is something that you have learned in life 
that you would like to share with the listeners? Well, that's a, that's a loaded question. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I just, I just want to just go back to emphasize my point is like, I think the key to healing and being happy is connection. I think, I, I mean, a good example is the world and we've been disconnected because of COVID and all these restrictions and we're so disconnected and we're starting to see more people unhappy or it's hard to get in to see a therapist because there's so much need. So we need to figure out how to connect again and uh, so that we can be happy. Mm -hmm. I could not agree more. Great advice. And Jason, you touched on this a little bit. If there's anything else you want to add, um, what is next for you and the Giving Sunshine Boxes? I love that. <laughs> well, we're waiting to, to get people to rally behind our cause. Um, we, we, we say... We're starting a sunshine movement <laughs> because that's how big that's how big I want it to be, so we can help some more people. So for us, is getting people to rally behind us. And, and it's been a pleasure talking with you, Jason. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And before we leave today, I would like to give a shout out to the listeners. Thank you so much for joining us today. Until next time, let's keep navigating cancer together. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Navigating Cancer Together. I hope you enjoyed it. Please be sure to subscribe. And if you appreciate the show, drop a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. For notes from the show, visit ontheotherside.life and check out the podcast section. After you check out the show notes, head over to my gift shop and show yourself or someone special in your life some love with gifts of encouragement, hope, and positive affirmations. I would love it if you joined us for the next episode. Talk to you soon.